The temperature is nice and warm in the Boiling Point Podcast studio, so come on in, get cozy, and let's enjoy the conversation. We empower leaders through thoughtful discussions to positively impact our world. Our host, Dave Vale, founder and CEO of Vision Coaching, Inc., is highlighting how we can thrive in business communities. Our conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, and inspirational storytellers are shining a spotlight on empowerment. Joining Dave this week is our special guest host, Emily Roger. Let's join the conversation with Dave and Emily. Okay, well, welcome uh, back to The Boiling Point for those listeners that are coming back. And if you're new, uh, welcome to The Boiling Point. And uh, I'm Dave Vale. And my co-host, who's going to be my guest as well, is Emily Roger. Not Roger. Yeah, I am in the, I feel like I'm in the hot seat. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want you to be. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've shifted the focus of the podcast and we started to focus on leadership and, um, you know, coaching. And part of it for me, Emily, has been around, and, and I've been, 17 years I've been at this, and I'm not the only one, but just trying to demystify coaching. Mm-hmm. And what I've, and so we're, we're both executive coaches and we work generally with corporate and business leaders and nonprofit leaders and uh, public sector leaders. And, um, and I find there's a constant challenge to try to describe what coaching is and what it's not. And I think what I've ultimately learned is that um, it's something that people really have to experience. And once they've experienced it, they understand the value. Yeah. Or, or maybe if they don't have a good experience. They, they, they don't value it, but trying to explain it and trying to describe it. And um, our good friend, Greg Hemmings and I did a, uh, documentary airplane journals like 16 years ago you know with the attempt to, to explain coaching um but but i think we're going to still try to you know demystify it today and uh and maybe people won't fully experience it but um but through some of the things you've been experiencing you've been doing is that what do you yeah. think yeah yeah i think that's great and it um you know even when I am talking with potential clients or when people ask me about what coaching is, it's kind of first explaining what it isn't and how it is different to mentorship, to training, to facilitating, to um, counseling or therapy. Because, yeah, there can be so many gray areas of what coaching is. And I find for sure that it is until somebody yeah, really experiences it, that you don't even know the full magnitude of the ways that it can impact your life um, and facilitate you in so many different aspects of your life. And quite often, you know, more so in the past, I would look at myself and all of the different things that I do with there is the in office approach to my coaching. There is like an athletic side or more of like a lifestyle side. There's a fly fishing side, there's sport, there's all of these different things. Yet ultimately for me, like coaching is just a way of being and it's who I am being as a coach that I can provide those experiences to clients in whatever aspect of their life that they currently need and want it in. So, and you're, you're, you're very active on social media. I see you on LinkedIn. That's kind of the place I'm at. And I've noticed that you, um, 
and John Viev was talking about this earlier as well, that, you know, you, you, you share your life experiences and you seem to, you know, often make that connection back to how, you know, a client might experience this or, you know, or how it relates to coaching. And um, how's that, like, what's the feedback? Are you getting feedback on that from people? Like, what, what are you hearing from people? I get a lot of feedback on it. And, um, you know, I do it as a way of bringing that more personal side of me forward so that people can get to know me, who I am, um, and the way that I live my life and the values that I have. And also to help showcase people that, you know, whether we use the term executive coaching, leadership coaching, business coaching, it is so much broader than just who we are professionally in our offices. And for me, it's a lot of the things of what have I learned in working with my coach or coaches that I have worked with throughout the years that I can now apply to different aspects of my life that overall just make it so that I live a life that is more uh, fulfilling, more purposeful, full of greater passion and joy. And uh, yeah, that it kind of like evokes that curiosity in other people as well. Well, and I find that whether it's me being coached, um, a great coach, Barb, shout out to Barb Richards, uh, who lives in Vancouver, um, or if I'm coaching someone, uh, whatever side of the table I'm on, or I guess, you know, kind of the side of the relationship, it's it ultimately is about the whole person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, just yesterday, I had we had someone that was referred in, and was, uh, um, a, you know, in, in a part of a professional group. But he was very quick to say, you know, here's what I do professionally, and here's some of the challenges I'm up against. And then here's what I do personally, you know, here's what's going on personally, and some of the challenges I'm up against. And you know, can coaching facilitate both these sides? And my answer is absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's about helping you figure out where you know you know, where those obstacles and challenges and opportunities are and then creating a path uh, on both the personal and professional side, but to separate them is almost, I find personally impossible. Like I, as, as I'm running vision coaching, I, I can't lose fact. I, I can't lose sight of the fact that I'm a father, you know, I have three kids, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to build a business integrating, you know, what family means to me. Um, and, and so that's a different type of a build than, you know, if I was single and 50 as I am right now. So yeah, there's, there's a thousand ways up a mountain is trying to support the person um, in getting up that the, the, the mountain in a way that's, that's, that works best for them. Uh, and one thing I wanted to mention was, is interesting. You, since you've joined the roster, like typically people come in and then we would, we would um, introduce them to a coach after doing an onboarding session with them. And, and we, you know, this doesn't happen very often uh, where someone, someone contacted and said, Hey, I want to work with Emily. <laughs> so obviously social media is pretty, I don't, I don't know how, like <laughs> she came through vision, but you know, I don't know how she even knew who you were. I think I asked her and I, I've just forgotten, but yeah. you know, you're working with her and it's, it's just really interesting. Like that's, um, that's a real gift you have. And I think it's um, part of how you tell your story. This is my theory. Mm-hmm. And your willingness to be vulnerable, and I want to talk a little bit about you know what you're doing and 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 how it relates to what you're learning and how you're growing. Um, I think that really that level of authenticity really resonates with people, and they so they feel immediately comfortable saying, "I'd like to work with 
Emily, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you'd never met this person. Yeah. Well, and it is interesting of, of how some clients are just drawn to work with certain coaches. And they're almost like kind of saying yes and committing before they even have that one-on-one conversation. And, you know, we quite often talk about how uh, coaching always has to be safe, but not always comfortable. And I think that when you can kind of find a level of relatability uh, with your coach and it can just feel like that safe environment of, okay, a coach is showing up fully as themselves and it kind of creates that space I find for clients to be able to do that. And even with, you know, getting to know clients, like as you talk about professionally, personally, how knowing someone on that more personal level can really help them professionally. And it was funny, just this morning, I was on a call with the client and who was speaking about just negativity at, at work and, um, you know, trying to work through ways of switching their energy in order to show up at a meeting without already having the tone set of this is not going to go well. And this person golfs. And so it's like that analogy of, okay, how's your golf game going to go? If you show up at the very beginning, knowing that this is going to be a really crappy game, well, guess how your game is going to (laughs) go? And it's like that, oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, well, that's so, and that's brilliant on your part to to make that connection because that's, you know, then all of a sudden it reframes the meeting, you know, for someone who's a lover of golf would recognize that, yeah, I can't, I have to let go of what happened the last hole you know, and move into the next one, you know, optimistically and ready for whatever's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. In the meeting. Right. So yeah, that's really interesting. Well, one of the things that we do when we start with a client is we have them complete a questionnaire and it, and just, it asks like 20 questions about, you know, who they are, lessons learned, you know, where their greatest strengths lie, where the biggest challenges are, um, all these sorts of things. And for me, um, if I think with my coaching hat on, I even think when I was a personal trainer years ago, you know, what was always, and I didn't even know I was coaching at the time or I, or I was applying a coaching principle, but I always want to know like what's behind the, the, the goal of wanting to lose this weight or goal of wanting to build this business or, you know, who are you in all of this? Because mm-hmm. that understands, you know, what the motivation is and to, to tear that part, that, that, that piece apart from the, it, then it's more of a kind of a transactional conversation. This doesn't have, maybe the, the deep meaning that you can, or that you can connect with people in terms of, you know, what, what are their values? What's important to them? How's that showing up in, in the different areas of their life? And yeah. what you value, um, if I'm going to try to segue into the, is, um, is, you know, competition, right? Yeah. And if I think about how I originally got to know you, it was your story, your amazing story. And, and by the way, we, we should, talk about the documentary uh, Chasing the Current. It's coming out September 17th. So it would be soon after this is released, I expect. <laughs> um, yep. And, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really about you, the athlete, and then having to, or at least my perspective is, and you're, you know, part of, a big part of your story is, is that having to redefine, you know, who you are and, and, you know, how you show up in the world and that sort of thing. And that, in the process, and you're, you, you're just so, open to sharing kind of what, how that worked for you. But some, so, and, and in that, um, we, you know, you were telling us uh, a few weeks back about pacing 
right? Mm-hmm. Of being a pacer or pacing for someone running an ultra marathon. And I believe an ultra marathon is, is like 52 miles. Is it like a double marathon? Is that the... Yeah, like anything over a full marathon. So this one or these two in particular were 100 mile races. Like, oh my God. So, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as probably people who have listened to this, I've heard me reference at least once, I ran a marathon and <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've done, I checked that one off. I'm not doing that again. Yep. <laughs> so, and painful. so, uh, so I just admire anyone that can do more than one and then do longer than 26 miles. Cause I, I couldn't believe how hard it was, but there's this idea. So tell, tell listeners about what it's like. Like so, you so the, the ultra marathoner is running, and then a pacer shows up and supports the ultra marathoner in in. Well, maybe you. I'll throw it to you to to help people understand that aren't maybe familiar with this, um, you know, with this concept. Yeah. So for different races, and depending on what the distance is, and some races allow it, some don't. But a lot of the longer races will allow a pacer to come on. So for example, for a 100 mile race, or this last one in particular, I was able to run with the athlete for the last 55 kilometers of their race. And, um, and this last particular one was with my boyfriend, actually, for his 100 miler. And so yeah, like my job in that is to, or a job of any pacer is to just kind of encourage the runner to keep moving forward at a time where like just delirium and pure exhaustion has set in. And so to really kind of help be that um, voice of reason to help navigate, to support them and to kind of help set the pace and hold them fully capable so that they can ultimately reach their goal. And then, um, you know, you can't carry anything for them. Like you can't help them in that way. It's ultimately them doing all of the work. You are just there supporting and encouraging. And then at the end, before you get to the finish line, you peel off the athlete crosses the finish line. It's their victory. It's their win. And, um, you know, I had kind of three weekends back to back of supporting, um, you know, athletes in doing this. And the entire time I'm thinking, wow, like this is what I do every day in coaching in taking that non-direct leadership approach. It is holding somebody else fully capable of achieving what it is that they want to achieve, kind of putting my needs aside, putting my desires aside, still having to fully take care of myself because I'm still running 55K. I'm still running for 12 hours or whatever it is. Like I need to be able to fully show up in service of somebody else but that that is exactly what it is. It is in service of somebody else's goal. And like that's kind of leadership coaching. Absolutely. Well, it's, there's so many parallels. Like, and so, so we said earlier, it's really hard to describe unless you experience it. But as you're describing that, I can't help but think well, a couple of things. One is, you know, this idea that as a pacer, you don't, you don't take any of their equipment, right? And carry it. Yeah. Like you hold them capable of achieving the goal that they've set, which is to complete. Yep. And you're alongside, running alongside. You're not pulling or pushing or or taking, you know, right? Is that, I mean, you're- Yeah, and yeah. 
the people will say often like, wow, is like when, if you're, when you're coaching people and they're going through some of these, you know, the ups and downs and stuff, that must be exhausting. And the, the answer is actually, no, it's not. Because I'm not like, you know, metaphorically taking on any of that weight because I believe that they can, I might feel compassion for what they're going through, but, you know, they ultimately, you know, to alleviate suffering, you think of compassion as to help someone support someone in, in their achievement and their goal. You don't, you don't go and, and say, oh, you need all this help. Let me take this off your plate and I'll, I'll do it for you. Yeah. Both and capable, as you said. And that's, it just seems like such a parallel to the pacing um, description you give, you know, particularly on that thing around, you know, you're, you're alongside them and you're not um, enabling. Yeah. And really uh, listening, you know, like hearing the visual cues in what does this person need and helping them draw out what is it that they need? Like, I don't know in this moment what this person could can potentially stomach after 30 hours on a course and heat exhaustion. And do I have some ideas and whatever else? Yeah. Can I offer some of those and, and share, um, you know, my thoughts? Yes. But ultimately it's up to the person. The person knows what it is that they need in order to get to that finished line. And, um, you know, I think too, uh, for myself and, and in that last race and I was running for close to 13 hours. And afterwards, I mean, yeah, I was exhausted for sure. But in that moment, it is so about somebody else and their success that it is, um, it just fuels that fire in me to just keep going. And that like you are the energy at times when maybe the other person doesn't have it um, in that moment and just like compassionately holding them accountable to the goal that they have set out to do. So how, tell me about your experience going from the athlete, the one being supported, you know, to the pacer and playing this, a, a different role. It reminded me of why I love being an athlete, that it was that, um, you know, it got to the point for me where crossing the finish line kind of felt like an expectation I was putting on myself that like, that was ultimately what it was about that, like, for me to see my results for other people's to see my results for other teams to see my result, and that that was the way of myself trying to prove myself both to myself and to others. And so to be able to just kind of take away that finish line and love it, like absolutely love it and kind of reframe the way that now I see a finish line and what the feeling is ultimately that I am chasing. Because I believe that like, no matter what goal, like ultimately there is just a feeling behind everything that we are wanting to achieve and being really clear on that to then be able to shift what crossing a finish line means to me. And so in October, um, you know, I've done a couple of like ultra marathon events this summer, but nothing really sanctioned that like I am pinning on a race number and I haven't done an event in a little over three years now. And, um, and so in October, I'm going to be racing my 
first larger 80 kilometer ultra marathon. And even just this change in perspective now of pinning on a race number and, um, you know, how before it like kind of stressed me out in the sense of like, I need to prove myself, um, where now it's like, I get to pin on a race number just to go and see what I am capable of doing in that given day in whatever circumstances come my way. And knowing that like, there are so many things that are out of my control, but I just get to do what I have trained and what I know and what I can do in that moment. Um, what do you, what do you yeah. think? So that's, so your perspective sounds like it's changed in a really, you know, positive way. And I'm wondering the benefit of, like, you know, if you could go back 10 years and give your, the, the Emily, the athlete, you know, that perspective 10 years ago, what would have changed for you, do you think? Hmm. You know, I think that like in a lot of ways at the beginning, that was the perspective that I had. And I think that's why I was able to do so well at it. I attribute that to a lot of my success that I had in sports. But then at the end, when I knew more of what I was capable of doing and other people were seeing that and that there is this expectation that comes on with that. Um and I think that like, you know, at a time where I was even just struggling with my identity and that like everything in that time in my life was cycling. That's who I was. And I am the one that painted th that picture of myself and allowed myself to feel only like that. And at the time, there were many parts of that that I liked it, but kind of removing that, like, that's not all that Emily is. And that even like accepting the fact, and I really realized this through doing an SDI report with Bruce a couple years ago that it's okay to be competitive <laughs> and yeah. it was always something that I thought was just such a negative thing or if somebody called me a competitive person I almost took it as an insult and because I think that I viewed competition as always having to be competitive with somebody else or at the expense of somebody else um, where that's not the way that it is for me of like, I love to push myself. I love to go that extra mile of just really being able to tap in and see like what more is in there. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. So it's almost competing with yourself, right? And, and um, you know, setting up a, comp a healthy competition with, you know, how can I 
you know, what am I capable of? Am I, can mm -hmm. I a little bit better than before? Or is it that kind of idea? Or is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I always raced the best in like time trial races where I wasn't up against anybody else in that given moment. It was just me against a clock. Yeah. It's, it's well, you know, it's, well, and there's a, there's a whole psychological component there, isn't there? Yeah. Right. Like I, like I think back to when I played uh, competitive hockey and, um, man, if your, if your head wasn't in the right space and you were feeling nervous and you were feeling on the bubble and it's just in life, right? It I mean, that, you can apply this to anything, but you, the, the simplest of things, I, I would, you know, I couldn't pick up a pass. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, but in a practice, I could be, I'd be fine when the practice and, and the, you know, and I think that's, what's so great about sport, um, for, for kids, you know, and for, for everyone really, but it's that idea that what you learn about yourself through the process and how you handle pressure or don't handle pressure or whatever that thing may be, or the fact that you do well in time trials, or in my case, a practice versus, you know, especially this is, this is at a higher level. It was, it was just, and I, I just remember thinking, this is so odd. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, being aware of it, but you're, in my case, I was, you know, young enough that I was just learning and, and I, um, you know, but it, what, what's interesting is, so how, how much of this, some of these, you know, concepts and ideas and what you learned through athletics, um, you know, how, how does it come through in your coaching? I think it comes through as, um, you know, I feel that for me, I know firsthand what I am capable of doing when I fully believe in myself and when I have the support of other people. It's like I look at my cycling career, like, yeah, a lot of that was me, but a lot of that was being surrounded by a community, by coaches, by therapists, by um, just people who really believed in me and mentored me and coached me and helped me to see my strengths and held up the mirror to some of my weaknesses and my areas of improvement. And um, yeah, and now and now taking that and be able to being able to just like apply that across the board to everything that I do. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing in terms of Emily's approach, then she might be the right coach for you. Um, something to consider for sure. Um, and, and so if you were going to look at uh, the role of a pacer and just describe the connection that you see to the role of a of a, a leadership coach or an executive coach, how would you de how would you describe the you know the connection? Yeah, that you know that coach is is a is a partner is someone who is going to help the client facilitate ultimately what it is that they want to achieve and to find clarity in their goals. You know, quite often we don't even know what it is that we're trying to achieve. So finding that clarity and then helping kind of map out, navigate the way of how do we get there and what do we need along the way and really helping the client draw out the answers for themselves. And that then ultimately they are the one that did the work. They are the one that crossed that finish line got that business goal, reached that target, um, healed that relationship with an employee or their boss or like whatever it is. I think, <coughs> excuse me. I think what's uh, <coughs> unique um, 
unfortunately, maybe a little, it doesn't happen a lot where you have someone supporting, supporting you in a coach-like way. <laughs> what I'm going to, like, and I'm sure, I'm, well, I'll be curious if this has happened with you. Um, I think because of it, it's, it's maybe, a, you know, there's a, lot, a fair bit of training and there's a fair bit of work and it's a real discipline around learning coaching skills. I've learned and I'm continuing to learn, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm 17 years in this, so I'm always learning. Right. Yeah. A, a new approach or a new way to ask a question or a new way to, you know, um, help someone achieve, you know, or, or support them or help them you know, clear their own way or whatever that might be. Um, but the, the amount of times you hear after a coaching conversation or engagement, you know, remember when you told me to do this, this and this. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I never told you that because, you know, that that wouldn't be really coaching. Right. Um, but it's the perspective of the individual is that, you know, somehow that came from Emily or Dave or Bruce or whoever. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, and then often when you say, well, actually that was, that was your design. That was your plan. You know, you, you figured that out, like that's on you, you know, I mean, in other words, meaning that, you know, you did the work. Um, but I think it's perspective that's unique because it's almost like people are, um, it just surprises them, right? Because yeah, have you have you noticed that? Yeah, and I feel that we live in a world where uh, advice comes so easy. People offer advice and opinions so easily that uh, when are we even really fully given the opportunity to come up with our own answers or our own plans without there being a right or a wrong way? Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, and it's unfortunate. I think what it is is rare, so people are. It's confusing, right? Yeah. That's why people at times when you correctly say, you know, when you said this, or you know, and and, and assume it was the coach, but you know, when, um, I just find I I still find that interesting. Um, now, shifting gears a little bit, um, I'd love. Uh, to talk about the, the documentary. Is that okay? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it it airs on the Canadian National Broadcasting Network. Is that right? Or Canadian Broadcasting Corporation? Corporation. Yep. CBC. Um, chasing the current. And so, what what are you doing to celebrate that? And what's what's going on around this this launch? Yeah, so the 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 one hour documentary um, that was produced after. CBC had seen the short version, um, Cadence, and wanted to put out a one-hour version. And yeah, that airs on September 17th. And we'll have to celebrate that weekend. Actually, Hemmings House and the team and I will be in Halifax at the um, Finn Atlantic Film Festival. Uh, Cadence is actually playing um, that weekend there. So we will all just kind of naturally be together that weekend, which is which is pretty cool. And um what will I do to celebrate or what's being done to celebrate it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it still feels surreal that it is uh, coming out or happened or that my uh, story is um, worthy of having a CBC documentary made on it. What does mm -hmm. that feel like? Just like I'm just imagining um, me going to a film festival and there's a, a you know, it's a shorter documentary. Um, but you know about my life and my trials and you know where I'm at 
And then I'm going to, I might bump into people that have had this intimate look into who I am. And I mean, again, I'm trying to imagine this. And what's that, what's that like for you? It forces me to, um, hmm, let go of, I think the story that other people create about me in a weird way and that like people still like even for a one hour documentary, I watch it and I'm like, but there's so much more like there's so much missing. What about this? What about that? And so people are still only getting a glimpse into my life and then kind of possibly kind of creating their own narrative about it and um, that I just have to completely step back from that. Um, not think that, not worry about what other people are thinking when they watch it. And just remember that this film, both the cadence and chasing the current were made because a production company saw value and impact in my story that it could help, you know, evoke uh, greater curiosity and change amongst other people. And for me, well, that's what I do as a coach. Um, so now I guess the film is just doing it hopefully on a broader scale. That's, um, that's, an, that's an awesome way to look at it. I mean, I love that perspective. I, you know, you brought this up and I was thinking about this. Um, but what, like the story time, Hemming House and, and even our first introduction, and I, I don't know if it was Greg who, who heard the story and said, oh, we, we got something here we should be sharing. You know, there's a reason for sharing this. Or it was you know, one of the members of his team or how it came. But maybe can you give us that, that background? Because um, I'm just, that I find fascinating as well. How, because there's so many amazing stories. Yeah. Be, I think that must be the hardest thing about being a filmmaker or you know, doing documentaries is which one do you pick, right? And how do you tell it in a compelling way? that has broader impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I was first put in touch with Hemings House um, through a mutual friend, Rebecca Chason, who I know through Fredericton, through the cycling community. And she said, we're having coffee one day, just catching up. And she said, I need to connect you with Greg Hemings and Hemings House. And that is how that introduction happened. And then the following week, I'm down in St. John having a meeting with him and his team. And then that afternoon, I'm meeting you and Greg on the podcast that I thought I was just going to see what the studio looked like to then find out that I was uh, now a guest on the show. <laughs> like, that is how that all played out. It is actually kind of wild if you think about it. Greg <laughs> brought you in. I didn't, like, it's the first time I met you. And I was like, oh, wow. yeah. you know, and start telling the story and you're like, am I being interviewed? You know, if you listen to previous podcasts, you can hear uh, Greg's voice and, and just how he rolls, like in how yeah. his life. And I've known him for years and I still just um, in awe of how he, he navigates the world and, and, and his level of positivity and, and he saw something in you and you, and what I find fascinating about this on a personal level is that, you know, then, you know, I, I get to hear your story. Wow. This is cool. And, you know, and then I thought, well, that was interesting. And maybe I'll bump into Emily sometime down the road. And then there was a conversation about, Hey, could, you know, um, I'm interested in working and in, in working with the coach and I introduced him to Bruce and, you know, and then you get into coaching and then now we're working together. Now we're doing the podcast together. And it's just, 
it's just funny how it all evolved. And yeah. interesting. But at the same time, it's, it almost feels like it was uh, predestined, which is a kind of weird thing to say, but it doesn't feel like when I think back, I go, wow, that's really close. I would never have connected these dots. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you never quite know what trajectory your life is going to take you on. Um, but yeah, like going in what feels right in the moment and just kind of trusting that sometimes. And I mean, I never would have guessed where my life would have ended up. Like I never, ever would have imagined as a kid that I would have been an elite athlete, that I would have been been this, that like a CBC documentary would be made on me. Like even now I'm like, who, like, who did I fool? <laughs> what, is, what is happening? Yeah. Well, and you know, just a connection back to coaching, but, and just, just, I think in general, but you know, you know, that whole idea of imposter syndrome that we all, yeah. at certain points, right. And you hear your clients and you, I don't know, I've certainly experienced myself. Um, there must be a little of that that creeps in every once in a while. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just how like deeply rooted those beliefs can be. And, um, you know, which is why I've started this not-for-profit group on the rise, which is taking coaching skills, taking leadership skills, taking sports and athleticism and adventure and applying it to the younger generation. Um, and what can we learn about ourselves in that process? And quite often, you know, the, the groups that I run are, um, girls and now I'm, we're starting a boys group as well, but it's age 10 to 14. And so many of the conversations that I have with them are the same conversations that I have with CEOs of companies. Like everyone is still navigating the same stuff. It, well, yeah, I mean, on the rise. Um, so that is really what, like ultimately it's about what helping kids recognize that anything's possible. Yeah, it's about, um, you know, like strengthening confidence and leadership through sport and adventure. And I look at myself and what I learned about myself through sport, through getting into cycling, through fishing, through uh, trying new activities and just the life skills that came from that, the confidence that came from that, the leadership that came from that. And that, um, you know, creating those opportunities to be had at a younger, younger age, because a lot of people, sports is not available to them, whether it's because of um, financial restrictions or resources or parents not having the time. And so, yeah, providing those opportunities for, um, you know, right now it's kids between the ages of 10 to 14 to be able to develop those skill sets and just and learn about themselves ultimately in an environment that is safe amongst like-minded, um, you know, other children, adolescents. And for them to know, I'm still learning the same stuff. Like I'm right there with them. It's not me up there telling them what to do. It's, we're all in it. We're all figuring it out. Yeah. Good for you, Emily. That's, that's awesome. Just what a beautiful way to give back. And, and it, yeah, I can hear it, it gives you a lot of energy and, and it's inspiring for you. I'm, I'm sure seeing, like, you know, what what kids going through the program are experiencing, and, and it'll be really interesting is what they do after, and, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah that sort of 
Yeah. And, and that, like that passing the baton, it's like, I feel that like I was so privileged, even though it came at a later age at the age of 27, when I got into sport, but the people who were bought into my life, like the coaches that I had, the mentors that I had, the, just the, just the different lessons that I learned and the different experiences that I had with nutrition and like, just all of this stuff to then be able to give that back to pass that along to somebody else. And then for them, I mean, that's very much an aspect of that program of, okay, what can you now take that you have learned and give it back to your community on whatever level that is and really encouraging that. So kind of a pay it forward concept. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And so if people want to learn more about On the Rise, how do they, is it, is it, is it give a website? Yeah, so we we can put those um, in the show notes. There's actually a new website that is just being created like today for it as we kind of put in the next applications and stuff like that. Um, but they can reach out to me via LinkedIn um, or my website, emilyesroger.com and the information will be there. So we're starting our next uh, program. And I've partnered with um, a gentleman, Rufus Nell, who um, is a director at the Avenue Tennis Center. So him and I um, and his wife, Karen, uh, we all run the program together. So our next group starts on September um, 26th, and then it ends on December 3rd, and it ends with all of us doing an adventure race together. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well um, thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for just pausing and sharing, you know, what you're experiencing with me and with the, and John the and the listeners and. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I just, you know, I kind of love the impact you're having on the coaching world selfishly. So I, I, pre- mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing and, and, um, how you're what, a little over a year now in, like in terms of being formally certified and stuff? to in executive coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I had done, yeah, a few different coaching certifications prior to that through different organizations, but through the ICF. Yeah. Year and a year and a half now. Okay. Well, it's just such you know awesome contributions, and it's so it's so neat to hear. And I I can't so my reflection from today or my takeaway would be um, just something we're talking about. I was like, what limits am I putting on myself? You know, I'm not not maybe you know where 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 do I where could I use maybe more of a growth mindset and where maybe my little fix. And I just as I was listening to you, I couldn't help but think to myself, yeah, I wonder what I'm doing. Like you know, I, I feel like I'm going for it, but I'm probably playing it safe in a couple areas and I should, uh, I should dig into that. So, so that's my, yeah. nice. Yeah. And you know, my, my takeaway from this, Dave is just around like you asking about how all of this even came up mm-hmm. and that connection of if Rebecca had not have said, Hey, you and Greg should not have connected. I would not have been connected to you. I would not have been connected to Bruce. I would not have then been connected to railroads. Um, and so, yeah, following up on, I think sometimes that urge to introduce to people or to make a connection and then to follow through on them. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. That's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, think of Steve Jobs, um, Address Stanford saying, you know, you can connect the dots looking backwards and it's, it, but you know, it's, it's so hard to look ahead and say, oh, this is a linear path to the, you know, you just, but, but believing and connecting, like, as you point out, are so critical. So 
Well, thanks everyone for uh, listening in to Emily's amazing journey. Um, and we're just, you know, going to continue to watch and listen and, and hear what's going on. And, and, and you're prolific on Instagram and LinkedIn. So people can find you there pretty easily as well. Yeah. Thank okay. you for this conversation, Dave. And we, well, we could, let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was funny. You're saying you're nervous because you, you know, we kind of turn the table a little bit and put you in the hot seat. It's just, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> And I, but it's a good point, right? It's sometimes like, oh yeah, right. This is going to be about me. Or um, yeah, I I have to talk about myself. Oh yeah, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 good to hear, and I love the perspective. And and um, we've got a really interesting guest that you know will will continue the conversation and her perspective about giving back and mentoring. And um, I think it'll be a really. I, I look forward to learning from her as well. So that yeah. I am excited for this next episode. Okay. So I'm going to say some, we're going to sign off and I guess John Vieb is going to tell people to find us and all the places you can find us. And mm-hmm, yeah. And all kind of stuff. Yeah. So actually, and I just looked it up. So um, we launched Emily's first conversation with us. It was published out on October 10th, 2019. So just under hmm. three years is kind of when that crazy day happened. It would have been about a month before that. So it's kind of interesting to see how far and how much has happened. And so we've had two other um, or one other episode uh, besides that with Emily talking about kind of where you're at. So this third one, it'll be a nice, it'll be a, you can listen to all three and kind of see your journey over the cross those three years. Um, yeah. And to find those, you can head to our website, boilingpointpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and we also publish the video versions of this on YouTube and Facebook. And it's across all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Boiling Point Podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite listening platform. To find out more, head to our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. You can connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. To find out more about Dave Vale's work, head over to visioncoachinginc.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out our next conversation. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.